Why hello hello there. You're very welcome back to episode 9 of the Sam I Am podcast with me, Sam White. That's right. I hope you're keeping well. I hope you had a chance to listen to last week's episode with Ruri. I'm really happy with how it turned out. And uh, yeah. Look forward to chatting to the likes of Ruri and a lot of the guests I've had on so far. And lots of other people. I have a long list of people I want to have on as a guest on this podcast going forward. And I mentioned last week that we're going to be wrapping up, I guess, season one of the podcast. I wouldn't mind a little break to reflect and think about how I can make it better. Get a even wider range of guests. As I said, there's lots of people I need to sh- uh, there's lots of people I need to reach out to. I am currently in the city of Angers in the north of France. I've been moving around quite a bit the last few weeks, uh, which I realized that I haven't mentioned on the podcast for quite some time. But I left the south of France in Provence and then I came up to La Vendée where I spent time with my godfather and his wife in the countryside. And then I hopped up either for even further north uh, and I've been working the last few weeks between the city of Nantes and, as I said, I'm now in Angers. And I'm looking forward to actually flying home. Hopefully I'll be in well, if all goes to plan. I'll be flying home to Dublin on Sunday. And I'm looking forward to getting home for a couple of months and seeing my family and friends and, yeah, something to look forward to. But this week I'm talking to one friend that I'm looking forward to seeing, um, his name is Neil Dunn. Neil is a very driven, talented, inspirational person in my life. Someone I've had the fortune of knowing for many years now. And I've worked together with him on various things, which we will discuss at length in this episode. Um, and that's really all I have to say so far. I hope you enjoy. Please stick around to the end. There's a special piece of music that I think you'll enjoy. So yeah, please welcome to the Sandman Podcast, Mr. Neil Dunn. Welcome back to the Sandman Podcast. Today I'm joined by another guest, and it's another really good friend of mine. I'm delighted to have him on. It is Neil Dunn. Neil, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, great to have you on. Um, it's good to see you. Good to chat to you. Um, you've done plenty of podcasts before, um, but this is going to be a wee bit different to maybe what you've done before. Um, I hope um, we're going to talk about hopefully a, a wide range of things. But Neil, I like to start each podcast by asking my guest how long we've known each other or where or when did we first met where or when did we first meet i'm gonna say we've known each other for 1584 days <laughs> what's that in years I'm i don't know I, I made that number up uh, i guess what we've probably known each other five or six years 
Um, so that was me quickly going like five by 300. And it obviously wasn't accurate. But we met in our college days um, through music, as as most of my closest friends have, have some tie to it. We sang together, we drank pints of Guinness together, and we traveled the world together. Yeah, that's very well summed up there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it's coming up to six years this year since we would have first met, and I would have met you when I joined a certain acapella group, which I've already brought up on the podcast before with a previous guest. And would you have been in any of my auditions? I, I don't think so. I would have heard I would have heard murmurings of this. Uh, this young book from from Sligo, who has a beautiful voice, uh, that would apparently be a perfect fit for Trinidad's. But um, I don't think I ever sat in on the uh, audition for you. Right. Yeah, I thought you might have been in my callback, um, but um, maybe not. Oh, I was. I was. You're right. You're there right. was maybe four others. Were you? Yeah, I was. We did a. I remember my callback songs were Somebody to Love, Happy, I think were my two callback songs. I was yeah. shit in my pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, I remember uh, before my first uh, rehearsal, I met a group of you in Tolteca, I remember, and uh, I was uh, very nervous and you guys were all such, so there was a lot of banter being thrown around and you guys asked me to download WhatsApp for the first time, so it was a big, big day for me. I never, a lot of, a lot of firsts. You never First find a Guinness. Soon. Yeah, I stopped drinking cider when I joined Trinitones. I remember that. <laughs> that was yeah. that was a big move for there you. Was one, yeah, there was one gig. One of my first gigs was uh, maybe in the Shelburne at a corporate gig, and we were given a round of drinks, and I think I ordered a Bulmers. It's the only one. Shunned. <laughs> that soon changed. Um, but I was thinking today um, about like how joining Trinitones would have come about. And I think we would have had similar... We, we would have ended up with, in Trinitones similarly uh, after auditioning and trying out for a number of things in our first week of college. You're, you're, you would have been a year ahead of me, but... Um, for me, anyway, I would have come into Freshers' Week and I was auditioning. I was keen to maybe keep doing sport. Uh, I think I remember trying out for the Trinity football team and and then obviously auditioning for so many different uh, music uh, societies, choirs, the orchestra, um, mm. and uh, and then Trinitones, yeah. Um, and yeah, just from what I'd done before in Sligo, I would have, so in my mindset would have been oh yeah well obviously i'm going to keep playing football i've done that for the last 10 years and i'm going to obviously get into an orchestra because i was doing that for about mm. 10 years um and that didn't happen um it was all choirs and mm. uh and thank thank god i did um but you would have you would have probably had a similar mindset to me exact same actually i, I don't know if you've ever heard the story um but I I was a cocky little first year who thought he knew everything <laughs> going on. I actually I never wanted to audition for Trinitones. I mm. uh, I actually missed the actual auditions and 
sort of came into college thinking I knew exactly how everything would play out. And then I, my, my sister was good friends with Ben, who was the director at the time. And, and she just hit him up being like, look, my brother uh, is sort of interested in maybe trying it out. He's been in loads of choirs and they gave me an audition. <laughs> I remember even when I got into the group, I was like, I don't know if I can make every practice. I might be able to do every second or third week. <laughs> But after after one rehearsal, I was hooked, um, and there was no looking back. Yeah, that's funny. Because um, you would have, yeah, you would have auditioned for orchestra, and you played a lot of. I think you you did hockey as well, and and you're going for sailing and stuff like that. Yeah, I I I loved the extracurricular side of college life. Um, I always find that mm. no matter what education system you're in, it's the it's whatever you're doing outside of studies that really sort of rounds you out as a human. Um, so I threw myself into everything mm. I could, probably probably to to my own detriment um, at times. But yeah, sailing, hockey, orchestra, singing. Um, did a bit of no, I didn't do rugby in college, but I would have done in school. But yeah, literally anything I could I get involved with. Mm. But um. Yeah, and the rest is history, I suppose. Um, I was speaking to Ranald, a good friend of ours, um, on a previous uh, episode, which probably will be out by this stage. Um, and I was talking about certain moments that were just big game changers uh, for Trinitones as a group. And mm. when him and the Aussies came over um, for the first time and how that just changed our whole mindset and our ambitions i guess um for what we could potentially do and um i said that um yeah they they were the reason why we got to travel the world and do all those great things but you're the reason why all these things happened you're you're the main catalyst for for why we my favorite things I've done with Trinitones were traveling the world and singing at Electric Picnic every year for mm. about four or five years. And uh, and you're the ones that managed to make that happen. If I actually remember one of the reasons I auditioned for Trinitones is because my mum told me that Trinitones were playing their first Electric Picnic when they were playing their first <laughs> Electric Picnic in 2015. My mum was like, oh, you should go. You should go to see Trinitones. And I didn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't and go. you you came along. Yeah. You were no, you did go, didn't you? I didn't go. I didn't. No, I didn't get to see. And you you did two gigs. Oh. And I, um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go. And credit to my mom. She she my mom my mom knows me like the, better than anyone. So she knew I would have liked something like that. And while mm. I didn't go, um, again, like yourself, as soon as I joined, I knew. That this is something I was gonna, I was gonna love, um, but um, and it's funny the way you talk about what you would have. You were saying you're quite cocky and um, something like Trinitones wouldn't have interested you too much, but obviously that completely changed. Um, certainly by the time by the time I would have joined, you would have been completely engrossed in it from arranging and. I suppose my question would be, um, I think I've heard you speak about this before, but where, did, how did, were you the one that came up with the idea of trying to get Trinitones to play Electric Picnic? Uh, 
Yeah, um, I was. I, I just remember it was it was sort of a, a, a switch that popped into my head because it, you're right. I arrived into the group and I thought, like most people do, that acapella's corny, pitch perfect, glee type stuff, and and I knew the Trinidad's was different and just had something a little bit more special and unique and i saw how people would interact with us and i was like there's got to be how how can we be this good and not get to perform at something like that and you look at the wide breadth of the stages that are there so yeah i made it my mission um i remember people laughed initially being like mm. and it's like i still laugh because it's like it's sort of funny that a college acapella group performs it but it like it, it's a credit to the group that like we draw so many people to come it's entertainment it's it's good hangover music it's uh or or good like start of the start of the afternoon music um so yeah no it was a group effort in the sense that we wouldn't have gotten there if, um if we weren't good enough but definitely uh i was definitely the one that ripped off the band-aid <laughs> but no, no thanks to you i've in in a lot of ways between tours and and electric picnic i've saved quite a bit of money <laughs> on really fun experiences <laughs> Me too. so have i um yeah <laughs> um yeah even yeah i think the, well, the last ep we would have done was the last ep which was 2019 and that was the, the only one you wouldn't have done but yeah even then we got to do we got to do body and soul for the first time after maybe only ever doing trailer park and salty dog all really cool part smaller um not as crowded areas of the of the festival park but we always seem to draw a crowd as you say even body and soul i remember we did a gig there on the sanctuary stage this tiny thing and just swarm of people don't know i just don't know how it happens that's the beauty of festivals people just stumble upon you and uh, it's just a nice vibe um, wherever you go with a festival. Yeah, so fun. Um, but, uh, and yeah, when I joined, I loved it from the very beginning. But one thing I always remember is when I think it was the start of my second year and you were you were director, you had taken a year off books and it was like you're, you're putting everything into it. And you were trying to, I guess, rally everyone else and make sure they were as invested in it as you were. And I remember I had a few things going on at the time that, so my mind wasn't just all on, all on Trinitones. And I remember you gave me a really good, we had a really good chat and I was never gonna, I was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a chat where I was thinking of leaving the group or anything, but I think uh, my commitment wasn't where it should be. And, uh, you gave me a really good pep talk, a bit of hairdryer treatment as well, but um, it was exactly what I needed because I think from then on, I don't know if you remember this conversation. Do you? I don't. I'm sure it wasn't as <laughs> uh, eloquent and as nice as it would be these days. I'm sure Neil, Neil a couple of years yeah. ago was a little bit too brash. Mm, but I think I think it was, uh, like for those that don't know, um, anyone that joins Trinitones, we have when anyone joins they have to be 100 percent committed and there was a couple of there was a month or two at the beginning of second year where i 
I had this other big enough commitment and it was taking up a good bit of my time. And I think there was a couple of occasions where I said, oh, I don't know if I can stay for an entire rehearsal or I might have to miss a gig. And you were having none of it. And you told me to cop on. And and looking back on that now, is you were 100% right. Because I think from then on, and certainly looking back, Trinidad should always come should it always comes first it always has to come first behind college and your course and your degree and stuff like that, but, uh, in terms of extracurricular activities it uh, sure. it was the biggest yeah. it was the most important thing apart from college for what well, i did for five years i think i think uh my parents would argue that i thought trinidad was much more important than college <laughs> but i always say this to people that i I got way more, uh, I came out of college with way more than just a piece of paper. I didn't get the greatest mark in, in college and it hasn't done me much harm. Um, I've come out of it with so much more and so many more memories than people then who probably did really well in their degrees much better than me. Um, certainly where I am now, I'm in France. I'm pursuing one of one half of my degree and then I've done a lot of music stuff as well and it's all very creative arts based stuff so um it's it I have no regrets about college whatsoever yeah me neither I'm sure you'd agree yeah 100% throw yourself into whatever you can and again that's what's going to round you out as an individual but our but Neil our friendship extends beyond acapella um we've been to we've had other great memories together i've been to some great gigs with you uh very fond memories of going to stevie wonder uh which is a great which is great crack one of the one of the best gigs i've ever gone to in my life yeah that's nearly two years ago now and i'm so happy that i got to do that you and and my, all my family were there which is great mm. um it's a good thing for us as a family to go to and uh yeah people 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 slate that gig people that went to that gig who fucking hated it they were given i think we were really lucky we were standing because people who were up sitting were giving out shit about sound I yeah you heard about that i i remember that i think people are always going to give out i think people were giving out about his performance and people forget mm. that the guy is like in his 70s yeah, that still is going to go down as one of the best gigs i've ever been to in my life i had an amazing yeah. time boogied boogied my shoes off um oh. it was so good he was about to have a he was about to have a remember he was about to have a liver transplant i think yeah he nuts. was a couple of months away from that like nuts so yeah people people yeah people need to put into perspective um but uh no so worth it just one of those people that i don't know if he one of those people that you don't know if you're ever going to see him again um so it's just a have to go has to do it bucket list item um hmm. my favorite gig that i've been maybe a close second or up right up there as well i remember we went to went to see loyal Carner and the grand social which looking back on mm. that now is so cool to go to that in such a in such a small venue um when he had a uh, very lucky to get tickets for that um i was there right on the dot to buy them 
um and uh he had just released his second album so it was like come on loyal you you're you can you can fill a bigger venue and he has since he's went to see him in vicar street not so long after that um but uh yeah can't wait to do stuff like that again soon yeah i completely forgot about that gig but i've talked about it many a times mm. it's uh definitely another special one and eternally grateful for you picking me when ali decided he was he was too cool to come to the gig <laughs> i don't know what he was doing i think he was he working was... he's working on super Bowl. can't remember couldn't well, get a shift off oh yeah jesus yeah that's it thanks ali thanks super value shout out to super value <laughs> <and> Sligo. loyal <laughs> mm. carner is one of those artists i've seen i think i've seen him maybe three times at this stage and yeah, Ollie would have. We went to see him in Vicker Street, which I know he really enjoyed. So, um, he got to see him in the end. But um, and uh, yeah, Neil, like we've worked, like I suppose we've worked together in Trinidons, but we've got we've we've also worked together um as part of what is your your main passion and main uh main thing the thing that's taking up most of your life at the moment, which is Anderson and i had a great uh i think yeah good nine months i'd say working at anderson where i was delighted to join the team for all of 2020 right up until the point that i moved out here i guess um and uh certainly during the pandemic i i'm i'm really happy that i was able to do that it was was just just to give uh my life meaning every day especially the uh, during the that first long lockdown um but uh how's that all going at the moment i don't know um it's probably i've seen i see stuff on social social media and stuff and keep up to date but um how has that been going because um i know that you guys had to give up your lovely office recently and it's been all remote for for the longest time and i know zach's in, still in new york and stuff but yeah how's that all going at the moment yeah no you're right it's been a it's been a interesting year for us uh it's still uh it's still strange not getting to like we've had employees join a company and leave after only ever meeting them once like bumping into them on the street mm-hmm. which is a bit mad um but yeah, no, it's going great. We're, we're, we're undergoing a big transition at the moment, which you'd know a good bit about. We're rebuilding the platform, um, which we're super excited about. There's loads of brand new features because again, the first version that we put out in June of 2020, it was good and our houses, the most important component of what we built, but in, in a, in a, in a world where artists and and just general people their attention spans are short you have to make sure that you're providing people with value um so it's been a really really good year for us uh we're delighted to have the team we have around us and had around us i think everyone who's been involved with anderson at any stage has added serious value and is a credit to where we are now um but yeah it's another big sort of uh, transition period for us right now while we build out this new version of the platform and, and get ready for real life to open up again and 
and hopefully the music community and the musician community to come back stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly when I was part of the team, I thought it was a really, we, we certainly capitalized on, on the pandemic and, and made the most of it. Um, actually, I might get you just to explain in under 30 seconds uh, for those that don't know, what is Anderson? Sure. I don't know if I can keep just 30 seconds. I'll do my best. Um, so Anderson's a new music discovery platform um, to connect industry with un- undiscovered musicians. Um, but the big differentiator is that we use audio analysis so that people can search for new music by sound. So if you want to find someone who sounds at least 60% similar to Georgia Smith, you can hop onto Anderson and find artists in a geographic location who actually sound similar to that. So that's what we do at Anderson. Lovely. Um, and I was a part of the marketing team. Uh, I think my official title was junior outreach and brand ambassador for Europe, Middle East, Africa. Um, pretty cool. Um, but actually, I like I learned so much from those uh, nine months. Uh, a lot of very transfer transferable skills to even even with the podcast, uh, like editing and even uh, graphic design. It's like making promo stuff for the podcast. I learned so much of that. What I do now from from doing edits for Anderson and and social media and posts and stuff. So I learned a heck of a lot from from that from that time so credit to yourselves and shout out shout out cara um she's listening (laughs) (laughs) and i really enjoyed uh i was i worked for maybe the first i think two rounds of the uploaded competition uh Mm. which was which uh was a great success round from june to june to november was it november um whereby i guess it was an on a competition where a song it was a songwriting competition um and i think it worked i think i think i was saying before that i think uh, anderson really uh, navigated the pandemic well in the sense of creating a a con a competition and something for artists to take part in that they could do from home and it it ended up being the whole thing ended up being from home uh there was a I know there was a there was a hope that there could have been a live event at the end of it all, but in the end, it did, it was all remote. And in my opinion, it was a great success, and, and I'm sure you were all delighted with how it turned out. Yeah, it was awesome. I think again, credit to the musicians on the platform. Um, obviously, the team put in a huge amount of effort. Everyone who's been involved has done that. Yourself and Billy included in that. Um, mm. but. A concert isn't a concert without without the talent that performs at it. Uh, but it was yeah. it was amazing. I actually hadn't seen it before it went up live. The marketing team mm-hmm. kept it away from me and Zach's eyes, uh, so we got to enjoy it in its in its entirety on the night. And yeah, it was it was the closest thing that I've been to a a concert in oh, what a year and a half now. And the last concert I was I've been at was in Sri Lanka, which is nuts. Um, but it was fantastic. It was, there was artists from South Africa, America, around Europe, the UK, and Ireland. It was awesome. Hmm. And do you think uh, is there is there plans to do a similar sort of contest like it again? 
will there be another uploaded do you think yeah i definitely think there will be um we don't have a timeline on it yet because it'll coincide with releasing the new platform um but mm. uh it was such an amazing opportunity for us to be a part of it as well as the artists on the platform i think everyone loved it um obviously we want to be able to do it in person again uh next time but yeah absolutely uh in correlation with the with the launch of the new platform we'll, we'll definitely be doing uh, upload it too great well um if people aren't already uh people aren't already following anderson on various socials please do check anderson music out um instagram twitter facebook all that stuff and that'll be the first place you'll find out about the the relaunch of the platform i guess and you can download the app in its current you can still download the app in its current form can't you yeah we're still live on ios android we have a web app um but yeah new, new platform be coming at the end of the summer great we'll look out for that um also i want to uh congratulate you once again because i don't think i've congratulated you verbally in in person um on your uh forbes on your inclusion on the forbes 30 under 30 list that's pretty mental neil thanks sam yeah it's 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 amazing again i think it's it's a testament to the team unfortunately for them i'm just the baby face uh, who happens to be under 30 years old but Obviously, there's all the hard work that Zach and the rest of the team have, have yeah. put into Anderson for the for the last number of years, but it's fantastic for that to get noticed on an international level. And um, so, yeah, it's great. Mm. So yeah, Neil was included in the the entertainment list for Forbes in Europe, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rattle off a few names in this list because it is pretty mental. Um, I actually noticed that one of the Ollie Ollie Alexander from years and years was one of the judges, which I didn't know until. Yeah, we're best day. friends now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, few names to mention like Emma Louise Corrin, who obviously played Princess Diana in, in amazing performance of Princess Diana and the Crown. Uh, Mahalia, Joy Crooks, Jacob Collier, KSI. <laughs> Um, Daisy Edgar Jones, Paul Meskel, who else? Arlo Parks. Big names. Just big names, Neil. And and like there's other lists for sport and stuff like that, which, um, and I, and obviously, w in normal in normal times, Neil, would there have been a like a ceremony that you would have attended for that or anything? Yeah, so we, we actually had it. We had we had the first bout virtually and um, it was actually so fun like basically you get inducted into this big community of anyone who's ever been on the Forbes under 30 list so the whole point is that you can reach out to anyone on the list and try and connect and stuff like that and people are very approachable and um, which has been awesome wow. but they host a virtual concert uh, or a virtual conference sorry um, at the end of May and uh, it was really cool though because all the under 30s had this like backstage area and you create a little avatar so it was like being in pokemon walking around a backstage area and you'd like bump into someone and start chatting to them um, yeah. which is definitely the closest thing i felt to being at a real conference club penguin 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, just like Club Penguin, um, which was <laughs> which was very funny. Um, but there's loads of conferences coming up. They've got one in Detroit. They've got a couple coming up in Africa. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that you're in for life, which is amazing. And it's like obviously a, a, an incredibly strong network that you can tap into, um, both professionally and on a personal level, um, which is really really nice. Um, but yeah, looking forward. They said they've had to cancel the last two, um, because of COVID, the two last two parties. So um, they said they're going to mm. throw an extra big bash as soon as possible. So apparently that would be lots of fun. Class. And uh, will that be, will there, is it like one event for the entertainment list? Is there like different events for depending on what category you're under? They do. There's one just general one. And then they do do specifics. They do geographic specific as well. So there'll be events in like London and there'll be events in Africa, as I said. Uh, and those events will sort of like be specific to people who are there from the region or do business in the region. Um, and then they also have like smaller meetups and events. Um, but it all seems to be like there'll always be general stuff. And then I'm sure they'll break it down into specifics too. Great. Looking forward to hearing more about that. But uh, no, it's, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, not just a reflection on you, but the reflection of all the work of everyone at Anderson. Um, so kudos. Um, and then uh, I was going to ask about uh, the band. the The band management is how's that all going? Because like it's obviously been very Anderson heavy the last year and a half with the live music events and stuff. Just uh, not really anything happening. But uh, are you still tapping away at that as well you and zach yeah for sure it's been um it's been it's been sort of like a nice release to get to like mm. deal with artists directly uh, it's what i love to do um but it's been really tough for them as well and um, like most of the artists we work with aren't signed or don't have large financial backing so obviously a pandemic or a, a a business where where they're relying very heavily on live live performances to to provide income it's been really tough um but certainly the likes of matt and toucan uh, matt taylor and toucan have really come to it really strongly writing a lot of music and like albums worth of music and producing as much as they can trying to hone their own production skills and trying to remain as positive and productive in the time as they can, which has been like, I, I think that's, that's kudos to them. Um, but yeah, like very, very excited for the music that they've been working on to come out and to, to, to go to one of their shows as both hmm. professionally and as a fan, like the shows they put yeah. on are amazing. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely signs of the light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Um, and who are uh, obviously uh, as you mentioned Tukin and Matt Taylor. Who are the are, who are the other artists you guys have in your roster at the moment? Yeah, so we're working with a few in sort of development. There's like Rosen, who's a female uh, artist out of Brighton, 
Nice. Uh, she's released some tracks, she's got the rest of her EP coming out at the end of the month. Um, really, really beautiful stuff. Uh, we work a bit with an ambient artist called Gareth Quinn Redmond. We've been helping Rowan, who are an indie band for a while. And there's a few others that are sort of like, again, I think COVID sort of makes it, uh, it makes it tough for artists and it's tough for managers that are at their stage for us to do much. So it's all been yep. effectively consultancy work where we're just mm-hmm. trying to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve until again, live music comes back and people can big sustainably. No, it's great though, that you're able to keep helping them out. Um, and yeah, I'm loving, uh, I'm loving uh, what Rowan have been putting out the last uh, few months and really excited yeah. to see where, where, what the next couple of years look like for them. Cause they're a great band. Um, yeah, they're awesome. Loved working with them on the, on the, the shoot we did. Um, mm. it's, it's like ancient history now. Yeah. Over a year ago, but, um, <laughs> um but no great lads and like and yeah the same goes for everyone else as well okay let's move away from work and into well uh, everything that you do neil i i I would say is you're you're clearly very passionate about everything you do and i don't think you would you would work uh in the industry that you're working in if you weren't passionate about it but uh outside uh your working life uh you have a great passion for photography and I've never asked you, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. When did you first get into photography or what spurred that on? Um, I've always been interested in photography, like as a child, whether it's stealing the parents camera or um, trying to get a, a new phone with a better camera. There was always a desire in me like when it came up to my 18th birthday I, I wanted a camera but I was quite picky and I was like I really wanted one that was good mm. so I ended up putting off for years and years and years and then it was at festivals I started getting disposable cameras and I was like oh it's a bit of fun it's like something different you're capturing a moment um, and I was in America for a summer and I for my birthday my parents were like what do you want to get and I was chatting to my dad and he was like why don't you get a phone camera and in America, the breadth of availability of like good film cameras, secondhand, like old school, proper manual cameras, which just last forever, is amazing. So I picked up my camera in America and fell in love with it straight away. Um, just started shooting constantly, buying a- as much film as I could, walking around the neighborhood I was in going to gigs, meeting up with friends, just taking them with me everywhere. Um, and it's just become that now. It's become like a crutch that I lean on uh, to, to, to help with, like, if I'm stressed or if I'm tired when traveling or I don't want to talk to someone. Like, whenever we went on Trinidad's tours, like, the Australia trip was really when I only just started getting, getting good at it. And, like, I... I would use that as an excuse to get away from everyone. I just grab the camera and sometimes I grab Evan and we just walk and take pictures. So I was just like, otherwise you, you get into those battles of like, why are we going for lunch? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And it's just like, you need to, when you're traveling with a big group, have that release. And then now with like the bands and stuff, it's the same thing. It's like, it's a nice, uh, 
looking through the lens of a camera rather than to a screen sort of like sucks the whole world away and you're just looking into this little portal or this little uh le- actually a lens but like you know you're just you're looking through a little peephole into the world it, it sort of mm. i used to enjoy just walking around messing with the the like the focus lens just viewing the world in a different way um mm. so yeah i've loved it mm. and uh do you have a favorite photo that you've taken oh most most of the photos any like to do with the sea i really like um because i love the sea i grew up by the sea and mm. and i really like taking photos of people so it's like there's definitely big people that i've taken a photo of that i'm like that's mad i took that photo of that person and um, but it's definitely not the best photo i've taken but Actually, there's a photo I took of my dad, which I'm really, really proud of, because mm. I I, okay. I took it in Portugal a year and a half ago. And when I was going to Portugal, I envisioned taking this photo of my dad. And I waited the whole trip, and it was the last day on the beach, I took it, and it came out so well. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my favorite photo I've ever taken. And the, the, and the camera you would use, the exciting the most exciting thing about taking photos of with film cameras is that you don't get to see it and you don't get to see it straight after you take it so you're you're waiting anxiously and excite with excitement also to, to see how it turned out and when it when it does 100%. turn out well it's a great feeling i'm sure yeah and loads of people i know so many people i know are, so many people i know are do are getting into photography now and i'd say neil you're one of the trailblazers for it <laughs> ah, no not at all but it's it's good it's good to see people and it's good to be, see people going back to film because um mm. i love all photography but like film you're right it's something special and it's it's the only true form of an image like other things aren't images they're not capturing images they're rendering digital pixels that make up what we consider mm. an image so um yeah. like literally if you think it like what a what a film camera is it's literally capturing light hitting a piece of paper in a split second mm. and it's just like that's just to me it's just magical and you mentioned uh like even disposables are still class we yeah. did we did Why we did the be? second american we when we well, we did the second american tour to the to the west coast the lads like andy and evan they gave everyone a disposable camera which was just a brilliant idea um they gave everyone I actually one. lost mine yeah they gave everyone one i actually lost mine i don't know where mine went but for those that did keep them and and use them we just got a dump of some brilliant photos and then there was a couple of others Amazing. who had their film cameras and stuff but they're just there's just something about a photo from a disposable camera especially when you're in a country like america on those long coastal drives and all these mad places mm. um it was such a such a good shout so long 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 ran the disposable and film cameras amen mm. um but um in this uh time of uh of covid and a lot of people have uh have picked up passions like this and 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 a lot of other things uh I guess for me, I've gotten really into 
gotten really into running and I've been working more in music and and in starting something like this um and uh but a lot of people have had so much time to watch a lot of TV I've found and 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 then uh just consume yeah whether it's consuming TV podcasts or music but TV especially I feel like everyone's completed Netflix at this stage but um some I don't know if it's just uh I don't know if it's just the timing of the pandemic but a lot of shows have come out that have really uh influenced people's uh interests and and new passions and stuff like that and the reason I'm bringing this up is because you've you've gotten into basketball a lot recently um and uh is that because is would that be down a lot of that would be down to the last dance neil so so i'm I'm not going to pretend that i was the biggest basketball fan in the world but um Mm. i did play basketball back home uh when i was in like primary school but we used to have a basketball hoop and i used to again it was something that i used to love going out and just do on my own and played a little bit in the local club for a while and always loved it like big fan of space jam space jam was like my favorite movie growing up i think i've watched it about a million times i watched it like five more times during the pandemic and i've never i've never seen space jam just putting it out what still not seen it yeah oh sam go watch that tonight it's unbelievable it's so good i was also like a big cartoon fan though so like yeah. It was the amalgamation of like buddy. loving basketball and so good. When's so the new one coming out? Um it's coming out soon, the new one. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even I think it's, it's like LeBron James in it. Yeah. I think. It look looks pretty looks pretty looks pretty sick. Um no, I know yeah, I will, I will, I will watch it because it's a, it's one of those ones you kinda of have to watch. I don't know why I'd, I'd like I, I, I would have loved cartoons as well, but um yeah, haven't watched so it. Good. Um so yeah, no, like it's, the last dance definitely sparked. As first of all, the last dance is like one of the best sports documentaries yeah. I've ever watched. Yeah. Um. Same. Yeah. I think that's like a hundred percent. All of Ireland became basketball players, and I'd be lying <laughs> if I would say that I, I would have played basketball a hundred percent. I don't think I would have been playing basketball otherwise. Mm. I think it was that. But then also, I've never I've lived in the same apartment for five years and never known that I have yeah. a basketball court behind my house until, <laughs> coincidentally, it was when I just finished watching The Last Dance and I had my birthday party in a park, a surprise birthday party in a park that I didn't know existed. And I was like, oh my God, there's a basketball <laughs> court for, here for free. Um, so I don't know what I've gotten into it if I'd still gone there and not watch it, maybe. Um, but yeah, mm. definitely spurred by it. It's funny. And and then definitely after spending all summer just like shooting hoops on my own, definitely was like, okay, lockdown is an ending, so I need to pick a team and start watching mm. the games. And that's, it's tough because yep. like loads of the games start at midnight. Like I was watching the last playoff game with the Nets. Oh. Which we won, uh, so we're through to the semi-finals. Uh, yes, I saw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very tiring staying up watching. Why it. did you pick? Why did you pick? Why? Why the Nets, Neil? Why the Nets? Tell us. So I went through 
because I've, I've, I've a strong association with New York. I would have spent two summers teaching sailing just north of New York. And I spent a lot of time with my old housemates from New York, Zach's from New York. So I have like, if, if, if I was to ever live somewhere in America, even though it would probably only be for a short amount of time, I'd probably be there. Um, and then I was looking at the Knicks and Brooklyn and as the two teams and I don't know. It's just something sort of drew me to Brooklyn. I almost went with the Knicks because I liked the Knicks mm. kit more. Um, and then yeah. Brooklyn brought out this unbelievable <laughs> throwback kit, which made me very, very happy. I'm a sucker for good branding. Um, Is that the one you have? But, Is that the one? Yeah, you have? I love it. It's so cool. It's like this tie dye. It's like it's a throwback to when they used to be the New Jersey Nets. Um, and it's sort of like it's a, it's a okay. not a replica, but it's a throwback to that time. Um, but the big thing that changed it was uh, I was reading up on both teams and taking all those tests of being like, should I be this fan or this fan? But then I was reading an article, basically the Nets change head coach to Steve Nash. And I started reading up on him. Mm. And I just, it just felt right. Like it honestly, when I was reading up about the potential of the Nets this year, it sounded a bit like a Hollywood movie. It was like, multiple NBA all-star comes back to coach a basketball team for the very first time. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing together yeah. fit for potentially a whole season yeah. for yeah. the very first time. And there's all these young players emerging in the team. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. But uh, no, I like, uh, like yourself, I would have, I watched uh, the last dance is one of a number of shows I've watched during the pandemic. Uh, I watched, I think the last half of it, me and my brother just sat down and we watched the last few episodes together and yeah, just phenomenal. Um, just great, great TV, but it's all, it's all real. It all happened. Um, and, uh, I haven't quite got the bug like yourself. Uh, I'm already too engrossed in so many other sports. And, and like you said, it's, it's actually really hard. It's really hard to commit to staying up and watching the games. Um, I get really, I get so tired at night and, I stayed up for the Super Bowl because I actually watched a, I watched one of the Amazon Prime, uh, all or nothing. They have all these all or nothing documentaries, and I watched one on the Eagles mm. just for something different and, and yeah, so because I wanted to f- learn a bit more about NFL, and I watched the Super Bowl, and I was up till about five in the morning, and I was like, oh, I can't do, it. I can't do this. Uh, so um, no. yeah, I haven't. I I couldn't and, do it with uh, football. Yeah. Um, especially because the games, well, the basketball games are probably pretty long as well. But I just feel like football just goes on for far too long. There's a lot more action in basketball, though. Uh, that's yeah, really that's what like, I yeah. see. Yeah, because we went to. I've I've experienced. We've we've both experienced the, the baseball, which eh, it's all right. Um, the game the the game oh. wasn't great. And then me and two of the lads went to an LA Galaxy game in LA. Which was it was actually really good fun because they were playing a Mexican team called Cruz Azul, who uh, they actually just won the nice. Mexican soccer league at the weekend for the first time in years, and this big curse. But Class. their fans were mental. It was great crack. And but uh, yeah, I'd love to catch. I'd love to go to an NBA game. I I do think it's the most entertaining sport in uh, in the states. Let's sure. do it. But fair play to you for yeah. It's a it's not easy following a. Following American sports when you're you're what six hours behind. Certain well, if you're watching the Eastern Conference, you're you're about six hours behind them. So 
fair play um and then the other yeah and then the, the other big tv show that has gotten people that has just increased the popularity of a certain sport is drive to survive um i see you're watching a bit of formula one yourself what do you think about what tell me a bit about that yeah again it came funnily enough uh my dad me emma my sister um and my dad used to watch it a lot as kids but i we did because dad's big into it and we would have gone to spa in belgium to see it we would have been a big ferrari household i had all the model cars growing up as a kid i've always loved cars um but i can't remember exactly what age but it came to a point where i was just like dad this is boring this is just cars driving around and around and around and I just completely given up on it uh, and disconnected from it. And then, yeah, Pal suggested watching Try to Survive. And I was like, oh, I know I know enough about F1. I don't think I like it. But mm. I think what it did for me is it re- understanding the, the whole politics and the players and the team dynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah makes watching a long race really, really enjoyable because you're not just looking at one and two, you're looking at like mm. the whole middle pack and seeing like a usual top eight driver coming in 14th place. Um, so it is, it's really exciting because you're like, you're gunning for 10 teams at the same time over the course of like around two hours. Um, and there's so many middle, many, many battles within it. There's boring races, of course, um, mm. but this weekend we've got Baku, which is uh, another city race. We had Monaco last weekend and the weekend before. Um, mm. Another city race, but the, the lanes are a bit wider, so we should have loads of overtakes and stuff like that, so it should be mm. exciting. One of my friends here, she went to qualifying for Monaco um, nice. a couple of weeks ago. She's in love with uh, Fafter, or what's his name? Uh, I know you said after Clark. That's the rugby player. I'm thinking of Charles. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Um, he had a week. He's never finished a race. No, he's never finished a really? race. He's never. He's he's, so he's he is from there. It's his home yeah. track, and he has like never me. finished a race in Monaco, and he finished the qualifying in pole position, and was basically due to win the race because generally whoever starts in pole in monaco because it's so hard to overtake yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty likely you're going to win the race and um, mm. so after having never finished all the hype uh, he had this issue with his car with his gearbox and on the way up to the track the morning of the race he pulled out his team pulled mm-hmm. him out because the gearbox wasn't ready um so yeah the mm-hmm. whole f1 community was very uh, heartbroken for charles yeah yeah they seem to especially when it's so i watched the first episode i hadn't watched the show but i watched the first episode last night in preparation for chatting to you and when you were saying about uh how important it's not just about the driver it's about the whole team that Mm. is so evident from the first episode even just watching the first episode in the first episode they focus a lot on the the Haas team i think it was Mm. and Aside from how enthralling 
the whole thing is in terms of the footage they have of the race and the communication between so the drivers good. and the team. Um, it was interesting to learn, yeah, just about the size of all the teams and obviously the difference in the size of, say, McCla- uh, of Mercedes to Haas mm. and how the responsibility doesn't just fall on the driver, but when they pull into the pits and they change the wheels, I've never seen so much commotion <laughs> for changing. Like you, you always, you, you always know how that it has to be done really fast, but mm. I've never seen when it goes wrong and how that, and the, oh, Jesus, just the whole, what am I trying to say? Yeah. When it all goes wrong. And yeah. Yeah. They just, it's just like the end of the world for, yeah, it's it's a it seems like a very small job, but it it could make or break uh it could make or break a race that cha- those changeover of tires. So uh, what's also funny is Mercedes, uh, which has never happened before. Not or not never, but like basically never happens. Neither of the Mercedes cars got into the top three, um, in Monaco. Mm-hmm. One of them was in second place and he went into the pit stop and he was sitting at the pit stop for 40 seconds because the wheel wouldn't come off his car because the screw had been put in wrong and destroyed the, the, the ribbing of, of the, of the Mm. screw. So it couldn't be screwed out and they had to take it out like that night with a big machine. Um, so you're so right, oh, uh, and so it's stressful. painful to watch. So stressful. It's so so oh. stressful. I'll send you the video after this. All right, but yeah, I'm. I yeah, just from watching one episode, I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to try and and watch the whole thing. You know, there's, there's three seasons of it, but um, the only time I've I, I don't I'm not saying I'm gonna I don't think I'll get the bug for Formula One, but. I'd, I'd be very interested to watch a show like that. But uh, the only time I've ever gotten a bug for racing was, uh, I don't know if you remember this. So one of my friends from school, he was obsessed with the like rallying and like going to rallies and like there's loads of rallies around where I live. And mm. I remember, so like with the world rally championships, they would go to every, nearly every country in the world. And there was a couple of years where this, the place they came to in Ireland was Sligo and they bet there was like the rally park was in the, the IT in Sligo uh, where we would have gone to like the choral festival and stuff like that. And, and then they had all the races around uh, like along uh, the Lake Isle of Inishree and around Mullock Moor, like Mullock Moor head and stuff. And it was mental. It was mental. Uh, and there's such a hype around the place and, yeah, I definitely got the bug for it then, just going and seeing all the cars and all the drivers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big deal, big deal for the town. And yeah, if anything like this, it's great for generating a, some cash for, for the local economy. But um, yeah, it's the only time I've ever really gotten a bug for, for driving. And and yeah, it was only a couple of years, as I said. And uh, I don't know where I don't know where it takes place now. I obviously don't keep it up to date with it anymore. But uh yeah um but uh yeah as i said i'll I'll keep i'll keep up with drive drive to survive and uh and uh yeah see i'll try and keep up to date with uh formula one because like i love sport and i'm always interested to learn about other sports um that uh that i wouldn't uh and i think these shows really help or 
clearly they're helping the growth of the sport and the popularity of it. Um, they they, were, they would have been very popular before the shows, but uh, it's really interesting. And um, the one other thing I'd bring up was uh, I brought up uh, the Haas team in that first episode, and it showed one of the drivers who really motivated guy wanted to do really well, and then the, the team fucked up, and he had to stop, and he was absolutely devastated. And he said he didn't want to speak to the press. So it was interesting mm. to see that the driver doesn't always have to speak to the press. And the, the manager of the team did it instead. Um, and I think it's interesting just in the light of even the last couple of days with uh, Naomi Osaka and all the coverage behind what happened there with her and... Um, I realized that a sport like tennis, the players always have to speak, whether they win Mm. or they lose. And it must be one of the most demoralizing, difficult things you can do, especially in a sport like tennis where you're really, where it must be very, can be very lonely. And then other sports like Formula One or football, uh, pretty much any other sport, the players don't always have to talk or the drivers. It can be their managers that can speak on behalf of them. And I think it's mm. crazy to learn that in tennis that you can get fined for not showing up to media duties. And uh, It's a good point. Uh, we, yes, me, really. my, me, me and Christian and, and stuff were talking about this today. Um, like nobody signs up when they're a six-year-old playing tennis to be a media spokesperson. Mm. They're training to become a tennis player. And there's no point in getting into the debate of becoming famous and the responsibility of communications and staying in touch with the media for sponsorship and stuff. That's obviously all all important, but like, I think the issue of Paris is is slightly more complex because, uh, than just like I think there should have just been better support for her. Um, yeah. But that's a really, I'd never thought of it that way. And you're so right. Like, why can't someone else step in in those circumstances as a spokesperson? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's important for fans and for sponsorship and for entertainment purposes to keep the sport going that there's always interviews and stuff like we're talking about it right now that we'd like seeing the supplementing content. But like, if Mm -hmm. someone's mental health is at stake, surely there should be someone else who can stand in like a manager or a coach um, or just it not, not come to the point that it's come to with Naomi and her having to completely remove herself from, from a tournament, yeah. which she, she could have gone on and won. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a very high chance of winning. Uh, it's, mm. it's really upsetting. But again, yeah, it's interesting bringing it back to Formula One, the the importance of the whole team in comparison to... And I guess team sports are... Yeah, that's why tennis is such a unique sport and uh, can be quite lonely. And then and then mm. you have your... And I suppose golf as well. Um, but yeah, the magnitude of the team and the teams of the F1. And I didn't realize it for the biggest teams like Ferrari and stuff, they have like 2,000 people working for them. And Once. most people would only focus on on the driver, One. on Sebastian Vettel yeah. or whoever it is. <laughs> but 
But um, yeah, so yeah, it's been a mad year of just uh, having all this time to watch all these shows, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed taking the time to do that. Um, I don't have any guilt about <laughs> taking the time and consuming really really good TV like The Last Dance or Drive to Survive. Um, I recently uh, finished uh, watching The Sopranos for the first time, and nice. I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've completed TV after watching that. Um, my parents and my brother rewatched it. My parents watched it when it was on TV, and they wanted to rewatch it. And my brother joined them, and I watched it by myself during the lockdown here. And God, I I don't know if you've seen it, Neil, but if you haven't seen it, it is one of the most important tv shows of all time and and one of and considered one of the one of the greatest um mm. you any other any other shows that have really stood out for you over the past while not over lockdown sport related uh over lockdown oh i loved uh unorthodox or orthodox unorthodox that one about the okay. Hasidic jew unbelievable Oh, uh, yeah. binge that all in one night it's four parts it's amazing <laughs> um and they've just put out a season three um ju- like literally just a, couple, uh, a week or two ago which i just finished last night mm. um but it uh, my my favorite season of television is season two of master of none and i tell everyone and i don't shut up about it um, right. Master of None just put out season three, so I think that qualifies. But season two of Master of None is still like I've watched it many times, and it's just okay. the most beautiful love story I've I've ever seen. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned. Yeah, like looking back on the last fourteen months, we obviously had normal people and stuff, and everyone. Mm. There's there's some shows that people watched that I didn't. I never watched like. Everyone was watching Bridgerton, and ever I don't think that's really my kind of show. And Tiger King, obviously. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of TV. God, um, and I have. A, I'm at. I am at this at stage after watching The Sopranos. I'm struggling to find something like what do I? What next? How do I? How do Ozark. I top that? Ozark. Yeah, I've heard about Ozark. I tried. To, I've tried to actually start Ozark. the wire. I've tried. Watch no, Ozark. I haven't. Um, well, yeah. After I finished this, the Sopranos, uh, people were saying to me that they said that the only show that that is up there, if the Sopranos, would be The Wire. And I tried to start The Wire, and I can't. I haven't gotten into it. I'm, I'm struggling. Um, yeah, so I need to. I need to. It's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a hard. It's really comp. It's really confusing. You really have to be tuned in. Um, you do, yeah. but. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, if I can get him to drive to survive, that will that could potentially be my my new show. But yeah, Neil, I could talk to you all. I could talk to you all evening, but um, I'm gonna I might wrap it up here for tonight, and I'm sure you'll be on again if if you're if you if you if you'd like to come on again, you don't have to. But um, um we haven't even uh, there's so much other so many other stories to tell, um as I said earlier, um, that I'd love to have you back on to, to reminisce yeah. about. Let's do it next week. Same time. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing you very soon. Uh, 
play a bit of ball, uh, go swimming. Um, I'm, it's it's fair to say that uh, swimming here is is much more. It, it's I'm not as hesitant to go swimming in the Mediterranean as I as I might be <laughs> in the the Irish Sea, but uh, I do miss it. Um, I only ever went to I only went only went oh only ever went swimming in Dalky that one time before I left. Um, but uh, it was very refreshing. I understand the hype around it, so I look forward to to doing that with you soon, hopefully. And and yeah, singing some songs. Uh, I miss singing with yourself and all the all the boys and going to all our favorite pubs, which I can't wait to do. Um, hopefully, they'll all be open by the time I'm home. Yeah, they will. If not, we'll, mm. we'll bash down the doors. Well, there you have it, folks. I'm just back again very briefly uh, to just plug a few things. Um, I hope you enjoyed the chat with Neil. If you'd like to find out more about Neil and the work he's doing and see some of the photos he takes, you can find him on Instagram at Neil F. Dunn. He's also on Twitter. Um, and then with regards Anderson and the company that Neil and his good friend Zach set up, you can find Anderson on all social media platforms. Just make sure you spell Anderson without an E. A-N-G-R-S-O-N music on all social media platforms. As always, I am at Sam White on Instagram that's white with three eyes there you'll find out exclusive podcast news or any updates whatsoever and please don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and yeah I'll hand back over to Neil and I'll see you next week all being well cheers folks So Neil, I thought it would be nice to potentially finish a little different. Uh, I like to mix it up at the end. Um, and recently, uh, you've gotten a lot of the some of the current, but mostly uh, former members of Trinitones together to record a special song for two very special people that are tying the knot uh, very soon, uh, depending on when this podcast goes out. Um, so would you? be so kind as to introduce the song that we're going to play out with and why we're why this song what's what's the backstory behind it sure yeah no this is a an arrangement that our very good dear friend ben jacob um who's the director of the group and i joined uh, arranged for his wedding with his fiance sarah um and obviously he had planned for all of us to come sing at the wedding and we were, this is one of the songs they were she was actually planning on walking down the aisle to but given the fact that that's likely not going to be possible and um, we decided to record it virtually so that we can still be there somehow for him and um, so this is uh the trinidad's alumni uh singing when i need a friend by coldplay Oh.